restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future for your... Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Doug, and I just want to welcome you here today to Victory Christian Fellowship in Palmyra. It's a great day to be in God's house with God's people and in God's presence. Amen. We're so glad that you're here, and if you're watching online, we're so glad that you're joining that way as well. Heavenly Father, we call upon you, and we thank you that you answer us and show us great and mighty things. And Lord, we are expecting great things today. And we love you. We love your presence. We love your demonstration of power by your Holy Spirit. And we give you all the glory and all the praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's stand together. i 
worship you in this place. Hallelujah. We worship you in this place, Lord. This is our opportunity to corporately worship God together. We worship you in this house, Lord. We thank you, Father, for how you preserved us, how you protected us, how you've grown us this week, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you care for us more than any other. And we worship you in this place, Lord. Thank you. The atmosphere is changing. Nothing stays the same. Heaven is waiting for the mention of the name. The Spirit is moving, burning like a flame, healing the broken. By the one we proclaim, raise it up, fill the sky, chains will fall, mountains move, we lift him high, speak the name, the name of love.
worship you in this house, Lord. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. We worship you in this house. Come on. Let's create an atmosphere of worship. Let's create an atmosphere of worship in your own words. What is it that you want to say about the name of Jesus today? Oh, we worship you in this house, Lord. The name of Jesus is greater than any other name. Anywhere in the universe. Anywhere in the universe. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. It's where our victory comes from. It's where freedom comes from.
Signature worship team, don't they do an amazing job? Hallelujah. Do I need to come up there? Yeah, let's do that. Come up to my spot. (laughs) I'm going up higher. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, one of the things that we like to do here at VCF is we like to speak the word. Amen. Aren't you glad that God gave us the authority to speak his word? Yes. And when we speak his word, we get his results. Yes. Amen. Right? So we like to make a confession. We emphasize a subject every quarter. And we want you to join in with us about the work that the Holy Spirit does in us. Let's make our confession. Our Heavenly Heavenly Father Father has given given to us another comforter comforter to comfort us, encourage us, and strengthen us. He helps us to stay on God's course. God's Holy Spirit abides with us forever. He is our advocate of truth, our divine tutor to guide us in life. We have the spirit of wisdom who teaches us all things. He is eternal. He was involved in creation and he knows all things. We are learning great things from him. The Holy Spirit is our personal powerhouse who abides within us and overshadows us. Through him we can boldly testify how good our Father God is. We welcome and receive help in all things through the Holy Spirit. He helps us solve problems, find solutions, and outsmart all enemies to give us victory in life. The Holy Spirit is our greatest ally who stands for righteousness, holiness, and truth. He always glorifies and honors the Lord Jesus and his kingdom. God's Spirit unveils and reveals to us what is ours. He provides for us special abilities and extraordinary power through divine grace. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises 
and experiencing their, their benefits. benefits. Amen. Amen. You know, the ministry is spelled W-O-R-K, but you got to be flexible. Amen. And if you've been involved in the ministry, you know that. Hallelujah. Were you ready for some anointed announcements? Glory to God. Miss Nadine's going to let us know what's happening. Good morning. I announce to you that God is awesome. Let's pray in tongues a little bit. Speak in tongues together. Oh, I announce to you the faithfulness of God. Oh, his faithfulness, his faithfulness. I announce to you his faithfulness. Faithful is the Lord. Faithful is the Lord. Tell God how faithful he's been to you. Oh, nalakaya shatoloho. Shatalakaya shatoloho. Talakaya shatoloho. Oh, nalakia shatolokoya 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 shatolakia shatoloko. Oh, today he is demonstrating his faithfulness to you. He is demonstrating the depth of his faithfulness and bringing to us Cal and his wife, Kristen. Oh, they have been faithful and he has been faithful. When you listen to them speak, you will see the faithfulness of God and receive that faithfulness into your own life and go demonstrate the faithfulness of God into the lives of your family, into the lives of the people at your workplace. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, and thank you for your faithfulness to Kel and Kristen and for bringing them here to us. And thank you for your faithfulness to Pastor Doug and Pastor Fiona and this house, Victory Christian Fellowship. We say you are faithful, awesome God, and we will increase our saying and our demonstrating of your faithful love, your faithful healing, your faithful protection, your faithful peace, your faithful light to show us the way to go your faithful word, your faithful Holy Spirit, the faithfulness of the blood of Jesus that is living and testifying in heaven today. Oh, we thank you for the living blood of Jesus. We testify. We are covered in the blood of Jesus. We are healed in the blood of Jesus. We receive and testify the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus defeated all enemies. Every single hindrance, everything standing in your way, speak the name of Jesus and his blood. They are one and they are for us. And we are one with the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. We praise the glorious name of Jesus. I come to announce to you victory in the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. Shout the victory. Hallelujah. 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 And when we stand in this place of victory, we will experience effervescent joy. I looked at, I've started reading this. Effervescent. It's a word I heard, but I never saw written. <laughs> effervescent. It's vivacious, victorious, enthusiastic joy. And what I noticed when I first looked at this word is it ends in the word scent. 
So you will smell the joy of the Lord. And as you go around with the joy of the Lord in you, people will smell it. And they'll say, what is this smell? What do I smell? It is the joy of the Lord you will testify. And they will be drawn to the effervescent smell of joy in our lives. So praise the Lord. Be glad, rejoice, and laugh. That's the subtitle. Is that what um, the tagline? So thank you, Pastor Doug, for that. Bubbly. Every dictionary I read had bubbles. Bubbly, bubbly, bubbly. So if you need some bubbles, you just like bump up to someone that has bubbles. And the wind of the Holy Spirit. Lisa had a bucket of water with bubbles because she put soap in there. And you know how they bubble up on Friday when it was really windy. And when she opened the kitchen door to go out and wash the visitor signs, that's what Lisa was doing. She was washing the visitor signs from the birds using them. But all these bubbles blew across the entire floor of the kitchen all the way to the door of the cove. So when you mix the effervescent joy bubbles with the wind and breath life of the Holy Spirit, it will affect those around you. This is a good announcement day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Okay, now for your regular announcements. We have Air Force, our youth, on Tuesday at 6 p.m. If you know a youth ages 12 and up, make sure you invite them. Bring them if they need a ride. Please, I am urging you. Bring them here because I can't explain it, but the Father God opens up his heart like I've never seen before when these youth show up. So you want your youth to come experience the loving heart of Father God. And our youth have bubbles to share of effervescent joy on the side. That's at 6 o'clock. Okay, 6 o'clock. Tuesdays, every Tuesday, we have Air Force. The youth are also selling fresh ground coffee that they had ground, roasted and ground for the men's conference. So it's nice and fresh. It's in the bookstore. And they have some cookies and coconut chocolate-covered eggs on the side for you to purchase and be used for um, our youth. Okay. And then Wednesday nights, refreshing Come and be refreshed Wednesday night at 6.30. This is Pastor Appreciation Month. So if you would like to appreciate your pastors, woo the back row. <laughs> um, let me read these words here. Join us next week after service for some fellowship and sex. Okay. <laughs> next, next. Sunday. Did I say Sunday? Next Sunday. Yeah. Next Sunday. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of November. Okay. We are celebrating next Sunday. Our pastors. <laughs> I'm finished. <laughs> well, you might as well just have a laughing break. Ha, ha, ha. 
Thank you, Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Say, this is a strange church. No, we're just a joyful church. Joy is meant to overflow. Joy was not meant to be contained in one little container. It was meant to spill over like a volcano. So let the joy spill over like a volcano. Amen? Miss Nadine was talking about my new book. It's called Effervescent Joy. I, it will cause you to laugh. And uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get a Kindle or a paperback book. And, um, of course, Cal uh, has his book, Adventures in God, in saying yes to God. And we're so delighted and uh, grateful to have them here. I'm going to announce them here in just a minute. I want to read something to you this morning from uh, the Passion Translation. How many have some passion? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, starting with verse 6, he says, here's my point. This is the passion. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. How many abundant reapers do we have here? Amen. Amen. Let giving flow from your heart, not from your sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely, spring up a well, (laughs) from the joy of giving. Oh, my goodness, there it is there. You know there's joy in giving? Paul said that Jesus said that there's more joy to to give than to receive. And uh, all because God loves hilarious generosity. And um, it says in verse 10, this generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, even more extravagant towards you. Right? So he, he multiplies the seed that's sown, not the seed that's held on to. So this morning, we're going to receive a special offering for our guests like we always do because we bless people. Right? And you get an opportunity to sow into missions. This man and my sister have uh, lived in many countries around the world. They have touched many people groups. They have reached unreached people groups. And uh, he's got amazing stories and amazing testimonies, so you can give anytime during the service. And if you're watching online, you can uh, give through our website as well. That's available to you. Father, I speak a blessing now on every gift and giver, Lord. We give you thanks and praise that you bless our, you multiply our seed sown, Lord, and you cause us to experience a rich, abundant, overflowing harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. And then at this time, I want to have Dan Smith uh, come up. And uh, my love, would you come up? He's going to be uh, heading back to Florida. He's like a goose, you know. He, he goes, to south, goes south for the winter. <laughs> but that's a good thing. But he's a good goose. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we just want to bless him, you know. Uh, even though he's in Florida, he's still part of VCF. And Father, 
We just thank you, Lord, for your rich favor that you have given to Dan. Lord, we thank you that you have caused blessings to abound to him. He is blessed going out. He is blessed coming in. He is blessed in Florida. He is blessed in PA. He is blessed on wherever you have him, Father. And he is a blessing to people, Lord. He brings the light. He brings the love of Jesus. Give him a safe, prosperous, and wonderful journey on his way back to Florida. We just bless him this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You're welcome. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. If you have kids, if there's any kids, you know, adults should read this. But these are the best stories to tell your kids because it happens in our time now, but it's like Bible stories that somebody now did. So it's not like, you know, David and Goliath and stuff. That's great. Like it's back then you have to dream. And some kids think they're all fairy tales. They are real. But this is like it happened in our time. So you want to grab one of these babies right here. All right. Yeah, Josiah bought his own copy yesterday of his uncle's book, you know, because Josiah is a sower. And because he sows, he reaps. I got to tell you a story about Josiah. Some of you have heard this before, but. You know, uh, we live in Hummelstown, and so we pass Hershey Park pretty much every day, all we, every week, you know. And one day, Josiah was younger, and he said, I want to go to Hershey Park. I said, okay, Josiah, let's just, you pray, and we're going to agree with you. So he prayed for tickets to go to Hershey Park, and it wasn't but a couple weeks later, he got 12 tickets. Yeah. And so... We're taking the whole family now uh, to Hershey Park, and we're driving in the van, and we say, everybody, thank Josiah for these tickets. He goes, it's the least I could do. <laughs> so, you know, our youth have a great goal, a big goal, a big good They want to take their, the young people to Tulsa next year in July for camp meeting. Amen? So... Let's believe with them and let's support them to do that. We want them to go there with an abundant supply. Amen. Amen. So if you drink coffee or if you eat chocolate, buy some stuff. Amen. And that's going to go to the youth and whatever they uh, are involved in, that will be a blessing. All right. I'm going to go ahead and just, we're having kids live today. The younger. Okay, the toddlers. We're going to dismiss them now in the name of Jesus. They know. Uh, whoever's going to be teaching them, why don't you go ahead and lead them to where they're going to go. Hallelujah. We appreciate our kids. They're such a wonderful blessing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad that Cal and Kristen are here. You know, Kristen is responsible of why I'm here. She led me to the Lord. Many years ago, she was the pioneer uh, to get saved in our family, and uh, she uh, kept inviting me to church, and I finally said yes, and here I am. So you can blame her, (laughs) or you can thank God, amen. I'm so grateful for my sister Kristen. You know, I saw that as she followed God in her life and did what God wanted her to do, that God had blessings along the path. That she would travel. She was a she was a nurse, a registered nurse, living at home, working the midnight shift, and God called her to the mission field. And so she went to the Philippines 
to do a DTS, which is a discipleship training school. And she's following God, and she encountered some challenges along the way. But there was a blessing there in the Philippines whom God placed there from New Zealand. His name was Cal. And he was running the YRAM base that God sent my sister to. And uh, we had the privilege of meeting my sister in Maui. Um, That's a long story. Don't have time to tell it right now. But uh, it was just the goodness and the grace of God. She happened to be there at the same time that State Farm was sending their agents there who qualified. This was the first time my dad ever qualified in his career. Anyway, uh, and while we were in Maui, she kept talking about this older man that she met. And uh, <laughs> it's true. I mean, but, but he is full of life. He is vibrant. And I, I first met Kel on the telephone. And he thought my name was Dave, so he kept calling me Big Dave. Big Dave. But I am so glad, and I have watched their ministry. I've, you know, been blessed by their ministry. I've learned things. He is a man of God. He is a family man. He has, they have two sons, John Michael uh, and Joshua, and then they have a daughter, Carissa, and their kids are living in Colorado doing their thing, and um, we're just so blessed to have him here. I mean, are you ready to have an adventure in God today? So I want you to give a warm VCF welcome as my wonderful brother-in-law comes and ministers the word to us. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Another great day in the kingdom of God. He doesn't make bad days, you know. Only good ones. Did you know this is his most up-to-date day in the universe? You're among the first to live in today. Never been lived in before. Isn't that beautiful? So we got to make a good job of it, yeah? Hallelujah. (laughs) Well... I want to thank you for, on behalf of, of my wife, Kristen, for your support uh, in, in helping us do what we do. We, we greatly appreciate that. And uh, what, what our life consists of these days mostly, we, we turned over the, rela- the, uh, the leadership of our YWAM base in Myrtle Beach a couple of years ago now to younger leadership, and that released me to be able to do a lot more internationally. Uh, and without having to concern myself with uh, the nuts and bolts of a local uh, training center. So we engage with them uh, in their prayer times and so on, but that releases me then to be on the road uh, consistently pretty much. So although we're not able to hit much of Asia and the Pacific because of uh, the issues with uh, COVID, uh, that has not stopped us though from getting into Latin America and uh, probably into uh, Africa a little bit later, or early, early in the new year, I think. Uh, But we have enjoyed very much the privilege of being able to do a lot of training with young men and women who want to be missionaries. 
and so we plough our effort and our push into getting them trained so that they can effectively get to the remaining unreached people groups that yet need to hear the gospel. We need a mission force that can do that, that can actually get there. And we need uh, folks at home like you folks who uh, believe that this job can be completed and you can help by, uh, by your prayer life and you can help by your support that you give to help missionaries do um, and get to where they need to be and, and be supported in doing so. It's still true that much of the mission force in the world today, uh, in Youth with a Mission, we're, we're around about 30,000 what we would call long-term missionaries now. Uh, so that's a large mission force. I think the next largest is, uh, is Wycliffe and the Southern Baptists, both who have around seven to 8,000 long-term missionaries. So we're three times bigger than those two. Uh, not that size is anything that we, we boast about. It's just the fact that we are growing and we need to get to the ends of the earth and we need a bigger, a much bigger mission force than we currently even have now if we are to be able to complete the Great Commission in our generation. That, that's our strong push in God that we can complete what God gave us to do 2,000 years ago, and that was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? Yes. This is not a job that's supposed to be infinitum. It's not supposed to go on forever. There's supposed to be a conclusion. Uh, we want to be part of a generation that can help conclude and fulfill the call of God and what he's called us as a church to do. So here's a question, church. Why did God create the church? Who did he create it for? So a lot of people say, well, he created it for Christians. They'd have a place where they can come and learn, a place they can pray, a place they can be encouraged, a place where they can worship, and, and so on. All those things be true, and all those things we need to do more of, but that's not the reason that God created the church. You know, he created the church for the non-believer. So the church was God's means of getting the gospel to the lost, to the unbelievers. So we exist to fulfill the call of God. Amen? That, that's the reason that he created something called the church. It was his means of completing what he came to do. And, and that was to announce that there is a kingdom and the kingdom has come. And if you've received Jesus in your heart, then the kingdom dwells in you. And it is the desire of God that the kingdom not just get locked up in you, but can be released through you into the ends of the earth. Uh, just a little backdrop to uh, where we are up to as a mission now. Uh, we're talking internationally. We have, we're operating in about 186 different countries of the world and some others that we don't name because we... Uh, yeah, you, you, you will understand the reasons why we, we cannot uh, release information about some of the areas that we're operating in. Uh, we have about 1,200 training locations. That's where we train missionaries. And uh, we operate what we call a University of the Nations, and each of those 1,200 training locations are extension colleges of the, of the University of the Nations. So... When somebody goes and does a discipleship training school, for example, and this is for all ages, 
So we run these training schools and sometimes we have folks in their 70s or even 80s we've had them coming in to do a discipleship training school because they say we want to do something but we don't know what or how or where. And so we say come and we'll train you and we'll help you get there. So uh, we run these training schools. Each of them are around a six-month program, three months in the classroom and three months on the field uh, working out what you learned in the classroom. We don't send you, we take you, just like Jesus did when he came and called his disciples to follow me. Uh, we train that way. We say, follow us, we'll take you. So you don't have to worry about if you get taken somewhere, that, that it's a difference between being taken and being sent, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, th th it's a wonderful uh, university because we not only offer that basic school of the getting into uh, a DTS which is the ground level uh, introduction into the mission but then we offer a slew of other schools to help put some more tools into your spiritual toolkit to be effective in the kingdom of God so there are things like uh, primary health care schools there is uh, schools that we train people to be able to put down a well so they can get fresh water in, in drinking locations where uh, they've got issues. There's all kinds of other uh, training programs uh, for Bible study, inductive Bible study programs, many, many different programs so that you can have all the equipment you need to be able to effectively take the gospel. So the idea is that you can be on the mission field and do the training while you're there instead of having to do four years in a, in a seminary somewhere um, before you actually ever get your foot out of the country. We have a, uh, a mercy side of, of YWAM, when, so we build houses for uh, home for, for people that are uh, struggling in poor countries. So we built over 5,000 homes for, for, for people. Uh, I've helped put these up. We, we do them very quickly. We run a, a, a concrete pad first, and then we bring in a group maybe like your church here and they come across the border maybe into Mexico for example where we have got millions of people living in poverty and uh, and in one day we put up the whole house and furnish it and it's all finished in a day so we would uh, we'd have a crew you know a couple of guys who knows what they're doing and then the rest of us who don't know what they're doing helping them do what they do know what they're doing and uh, so, you know, by the time the roof gets up and we teach, you know, how, how you put the shingles on and, and somebody's got a paintbrush, they start painting and somebody else is doing, you know, whatever it is that they're doing. And so mostly the teams are around about 12 to get that house up and finished in a day. The ladies come in, they've been sewing, they put curtains up in the windows, they, we bring in a refrigerator, we bring in a, a, a stove, we bring in a bed, uh, all the, the lovely finishing bits, you know, to put a nice bed in there. And, and uh, so it's all finished off. And so when we hand the keys over to somebody uh, that we're giving this to, um, they don't even know what to do with the keys because they say, what are these? What did <laughs> they didn't know that they opened the front door, you see. <laughs> They'd never seen it before. They were living in cardboard shacks. So they would just break down and weep, you know, and we would weep with them. But th this is just one of the projects in the mercy side of ministries that we do to, uh, to represent Jesus and to give people a chance in life that have been dealt uh, a rough beginning. 
Uh, we, we run 26 Mercy ships around the world. And so these get to all the locations where there are no airstrips and where there's no way of getting in by road. So we can get in there by ship. So that takes us up the... Uh, uh, the Nile and up the Amazon. It takes us to some 10,000 islands in the Pacific region that are populated where there's no other way of getting to them except by ship. And so on those ships we've got operating theaters for doing things like cleft pellet operations, uh, dentistry. So we are very welcome, I tell you, when we come into those locations. And so it's a great opportunity. We have discipleship training school students on those ships, and they present the gospel while we are doing these other programs of health and uh, meeting basic needs that the people have. So this is a good demonstration of Christianity, would you say? Yeah. Amen. It's how God intended his church to be. So we're also involved in a, another program called Ending Bible Poverty. And so this is getting the Bible actually into every nation that yet needs to hear the gospel. So I was mentioning in the men's group uh, on Saturday morning that we have over, just over 7,000 languages in the world. Uh, it's very interesting actually that Papua New Guinea has uh, one-fifth of all languages in the world just in, in Papua New Guinea. <laughs> Uh, a concentration of people that must have all decided to head in that direction after Babel, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but getting the gospel into all those languages is not an easy arrangement. And so uh, we've been able to speed up the program drastically by creating uh, Bibles that are just audible Bibles. So many of these people can't speak and they can't read or write. And so we put their, the Bible onto a, a device that's powered by solar energy, and then they can hear the gospel themselves and play it over and over and get around everybody around the campfire at night. They can hear God's word, and we can bring them into the kingdom. So we anticipate getting the Bible into every language that exists by the year 2033. So that's only, what, 12 years away from now. So we are making a lot of progress, and I think it's important that the church hears that the Holy Spirit is winning. We, we are winning, church. We, we, the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to get to the ends of the earth. Uh, we can be a generation that's involved with God in achieving that. Can you say hallelujah? Yeah. Amen. So I thought this morning I, I wanted to quickly run through about six regions of the world where probably the, the greatest needs uh, remain. Uh, what time do we finish, Doug? So I don't run over time here. Noon. Okay. So I, he says noon. So anyway, noon could be three o'clock. We'll see how we go here. <laughs> so here are the six, the six regions. Uh, Central Asia, which, which involves all the Stan countries, uh, Pakistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, all, all the Central Asian countries. Uh, the second area, these, these aren't uh, in uh, preference order. They are just, uh, I just grabbed them this morning and wrote them down. So the second area is China as, as a nation. The third is northern India and the nations that are on her border like Sikkim. That's not what you tell a dog to do. It's actually a nation. And Nepal, Bhutan, 
countries where they are struggling to get the gospel into these areas. The Middle East, of course, being Iran, Iraq, Turkey, other nations uh, in the Middle East area. North Africa would be the fifth one, and so the uh, Africa you could actually cut in half, and so the southern half of Africa is almost 50% Christian. The northern half of Africa uh, is almost exclusively Muslim. So there's a dividing line there and uh, uh, between the, the two. So we talk about North Africa. The other area of great concern for us now has become Western Europe, which has become by and large uh, atheistic and turned away from the gospel. It's very interesting, isn't it? When Paul was on his way to, to take the gospel to Asia, that God told him to, not to go to Asia, but to go west and headed him into what became modern uh, Europe today. And so Paul brought the gospel to Europe. Now, when the gospel came to Europe, Europe was very uh, uh, yeah, godless uh, people, atheistic and, and brutal. So when the gospel came into Europe, it transformed Europe, and then eventually Europe became the sending nation that was capable or willing and able to get the gospel out to much of the world, came out of, uh, of Europe. Later on, of course, from, from North America. But Europe became uh, uh, a great Christian influence over the nations. And then we had somebody came along who decided to, uh, to teach evolution. Who was that? Yeah. And all of a sudden, uh, within a very short space of time, Europe began to turn away from God. And uh, today, as a result, it's now influencing America drastically as well in our universities. So once upon a time where we had universities that were teaching uh, curriculums that were supported by Judaism, Judeo-Christian values today have been switched around. And so it's very difficult to find a, a, a university in America today that's standing on truth and values that support the gospel. So something like 70% of professors in the USA today are avowed atheists. Isn't that shameful? in this great country uh, what happened then you see was Europe which became a sending nation for the gospel uh, turned around and, and uh, turned us back on God basically and so we end up with a Europe today that's in desperate need of being re-evangelized so it's, you would think that it was in, uh, one of the six groups in the world that uh, need attention from the church but Western Europe today is in a mess and they badly need to uh, turn their hearts back to the Lord. So just some quick uh, illustrations in on these areas where the gospel needs to go. Go into all the world, Jesus said. Those were his parting words to the disciples. Preach the gospel, disciple the nations, he said, uh, uh, and I'll be with you. So Central Asia being the, the stand countries... Uh, Azerbaijan is, is one of those stand, uh, countries right on the edge of uh, the Caspian Sea. And uh, by 2019, uh, so, sorry, uh, 
by 1990, okay, so right before we, 10 years before we hit the 2000 region. Azerbaijan basically was a complete Muslim country. And a friend of mine, uh, Christians of mine, his name is Fred Martin. He was leading one of the bases in Colorado where we were. And Fred had felt like he was to go to Azerbaijan and his pastor went along with him. Uh, to see what they could do in terms of setting up something for a mission outreach into Azerbaijan. They came to this town called Baku, and if you look on the map, uh, Baku is right on the edge of the Caspian Sea. In the Caspian Sea, they've found large deposits of oil, so it's become like a treasure chest for, uh, for the Muslim world, this vast deposit of oil that's under the Caspian Sea. And uh, when they arrived in Baku, uh, the little place that they were staying in didn't have any running water, so you had to go down with a bucket and, uh, and pump your water from the well, which was in the little marketplace uh, in, the, in, the, in the town of Baku. So when they went down there in the morning to get water for their shower, they were down there about 6 o'clock in the morning, he said. And there was already an Azerbaijani guy there who was pumping the water for, uh, for his family. And so Fred says that, you know, he, he wants to talk to this guy, but of course he can't speak Azerbaijani. So he decides to speak to him in tongues. And so he speaks to him in tongues, and to his surprise, you see, the guy speaks back to him. So... He hasn't a clue what the guy said back to him, and neither has he got a clue what he said to, to the guy. <laughs> and so, so he speaks again in tongues, and the guy talks back to him again in tongues, and so the pastor decides he's getting in on this, and so he starts to talk, and so they've got this three-way conversation going. Two of them haven't got a clue. The, uh, the other guy is uh, quite happy. So finally he finishes his water, and he takes off with his family, you see, and, and they get their water and go back to their apartment, take their shower. So later that morning, about 10 in the morning, they're back out on the streets and they are prayer walking and uh, trying to figure out what they might be able to do if they brought in a, a mission team to help uh, share the gospel. And so here comes a young man come running across, he said, uh, and he could speak English, which shocked them, you know, because virtually no one there could speak English. But this kid had learned it somewhere, and he says, you are the, you are the people my father met at the well this morning. And uh, he, he says, yes, we did meet a man at the well. He said, oh, he, he, he told us that you told him wonderful things. And so Fred said... Uh, Oh, well, do you remember some of the things? He said, oh, yes. You know, and so Fred has got a little pocket uh, <laughs> bit of paper there in his pocket and a pen, and he, he wants to, you know, quickly write down what it is that they said. And so he said, well, you said you were going to come back and you were going to help put up a, uh, a, a ministry for for health because we don't have any health clinics here and you're going to bring a health clinic for, our, for all of our people. Isn't that wonderful? And, and Fred says, yeah, that's wonderful. Health clinic. Said, and you said that you were going to come and you were going to teach us computers because nobody here has any. And Oh, computers. And you know, there were five things that 
the Holy Spirit had said through speaking in tongues that they were going to come and do for their community. So he goes back to the base in Colorado and, and says, you know, these are the things that the Holy Spirit has said we are to take to Azerbaijan today. All those five ministries are working and they have over 300 Christians now in that, in that city of Azerbaijani. All Muslims that are converted. Isn't that beautiful? We have another uh, group of friends of ours that have worked with us on the field who are currently working in, uh, in Colorado. Uh, in Colorado Springs, and they have uh, worked hard at putting together an agroponics program that can be mobilized. And so they go into the stand countries and they are able to put up an agroponics program from all the materials that exist in the location where they're going. And, uh, and so that then enables a pastor who is not being properly supported or, or any support at all from their little churches that they're just getting started. So. Uh, he's now able to produce produce in winter when they have no green vegetables of any sort uh, for six months, you know, in the Central Asian countries where they have bitter winters. And so they can put produce into the city market. And so they, the pastors now have become very welcome, whereas they were despised before, because now they're producing something for the community besides the gospel that they need and that is uh, affordable. So this has, been a, this has put the Christian pastors in a place where they actually can support their families and they don't have to worry about finances anymore and they are offering something to the community that they need along with the gospel. So there are many things that can be done and this, this project they, they have worked out now really uh, got it perfected so they can go in quickly and help them put up uh, an agroponics program so, and they're doing this for pastors wherever they can across the, the, all the stand countries so uh, where they're despised they then become uh, appreciated and valued. So isn't that cool? This is in the Central Asian countries where there's a great need for the gospel who are all primarily uh, Islamic peoples. They're only Islam, you know, because they were born into an Islamic family. They, many of them have never read the Quran or know anything about it. And so when you bring the gospel to them, uh, it's not a difficult thing actually to, to win most Muslims to Christ. It's only in some of the areas where they are fanatical that you run into the issues that we've heard about with uh, all the nasty stuff that went on uh, recently in the Middle East. Now, the second area I want to look at quickly was China. China, you know, for a long time was talked about as being the, the, the fastest growing church in the world uh, because they were doing home church type stuff, most of which was led by women, by the way. So nearly all of their, their uh, evangelistic force in the underground movement in China is led by women. And uh, they have done a brilliant job. So it's estimated today, until now even, that the Chinese underground church is uh, growing by about 10,000 converts daily. So that's uh, a pretty healthy uh, effort by the underground church in China, wouldn't you say? So when we think about the Chinese government, which is anti-God, that is not the people of China. The people of China are not anti-God. The government is. So you have to be careful, you know, when we hear bad stuff uh, going on in China, that you don't develop an anti 
Chinese mentality because it's the government that's anti and the government that's in a mess, but the people are turning to Jesus when they hear the gospel in, inside China. So we need to pray for them. But one of the stories, you know, that I heard some time back was of a couple of these girls that were doing mission uh, work and sharing the gospel in their village decided that sharing one by one uh, secretly was too slow. So they just decided they were going to preach in the village, you see. So they stood up and, and, and let go. So somebody went to the, to the chief of police and said, do you know there's two of those uh, Christians down there? Uh, they are preaching boldly right out in front of everybody. And so the chief of police gets in the train, you know, it was a 20-minute train drive or something, to, to, to that village where the girls were. And he arrives there with some of his cohorts, and he, and he says, seize those girls, see, when, when they pointed out. And when he says that, God froze his arm so that he couldn't put his arm down. And so, of course, the, his police guys go and they seize the two girls and uh, they are taken to the uh, headquarters prison where, where he, his headquarters is. But, but he can't put his arm down. And so he's got to get back in the train. If you know anything about trains in China, they've got pushers, you know. And they, they, when the train is full, then everybody that still wants to get on, they've got people behind who actually push the people in so that you're, you know, shoulder to shoulder like this in the trains in China. Well, you can imagine him trying to get in there with his arms sticking out. This is a terrible embarrassment, you see, and he cannot put his arm down. So when he finally gets to the uh, headquarters of the police, uh, he runs into his office, you see, he's, he's ashamed about, about wandering around everywhere with his arm sticking out. <laughs> and he says to one of his police uh, guys, what's happened to me? What's, ha what's happened to me? He said, I can't put my arm down. And he said, well, 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 what did you do? He said, I said, seize those girls. Oh, it must be something to do with those girls, they, they decided, you see. Bring them here. So they get the two girls and they're brought in and he says, uh, can you make my arm go down? A strange thing to ask the two girls. You know? and, uh, and so the two girls said, well, yes, we can, but we're not going to. And, and uh, they are so bold, these two Chinese girls, so bold. And they, they said to him, you stopped us from sharing with the people the good news of, of the Savior. And so you need to get all your police force here and we need to tell them what you stopped us from telling those people. And then we'll make your own go down. Pretty good bargain, wouldn't you say? Yeah, pretty good bargain. So, so you know, what would you do if you were the policeman? So the, the chief of police calls all his, uh, his, his policemen in. I don't know how many of them there were. But when they all came in, then the girls preached to them. A good number of them get saved in the police department. And so then they look over to the chief of police and they say, Father, put his arm down. And his arm went down in slow motion like this to his side. You see, Jesus hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says.
And uh, we need to know that this wonderful Jesus is no less active today than he was when he walked this earth. He wants to walk through your and my legs and wants us to be speaking the same things and doing the same things, God things. You ready for some God things? We need some God things in Palmyra, would you say? And then you are his lips and you are his legs. You are his people. You are his representatives. They must see Jesus in you or they won't see him. Northern India is another area of great need. Just trying to work my way down through these six strategic locations. So north, uh, uh, northern India. They say northern India because similar to Africa, the southern part of India has been pretty much evangelized. The northern part of India is very dark. It's very dark and, and dangerous because there's a lot of militant Hindus uh, in the northern area who are very opposed and very uh, radicalized and, and hate Christians. And they have a, a history which is horrendous because when they would build a house or a commercial structure, when they were putting the foundations down, they would go to a neighboring village and they would abduct uh, someone and take that person and sacrifice him and put him in the foundation of the building that they were building, which was supposed to keep away the evil spirits uh, and, and cause that place to be prosperous because of the blood that was spilt in its, uh, in its building. So there's a lot of blood crying out from the earth uh, in northern India. And so it's very dark, uh, the, the northern part of India. I've been there. And uh, even while uh, we were there, the radical uh, Hindus were tossing rocks onto the roof where we were speaking. So they would not let me go out by myself. I had to have others around me when uh, we walked. It's not a place where uh, you want to go if you are uh, fearful because they are angry about the gospel being preached. They do not want their people to be converted. But God is a, a God who is in the business of bringing uh, Christians out of that, uh, bringing, bringing Hindus out of that mess and bringing them into the kingdom. So we have got a large church planting project working inside the northern part of, of India today. And uh, I think probably the Indian church, we don't have all the statistics. It's hard to get them because they have got uh, something like 600 villages, 600,000 no, 600, villages uh, in, in India that still need to be reached with the gospel. So it's, it's a huge challenge to us. In, India presents the largest challenge in terms of actual numbers of people that yet need the gospel. So uh, we have got, I'm not sure how many YWAMers, well over a, a thousand uh, YWAMers that are working in doing mostly church planting projects inside India today. So the gospel is going forwards, and even though it's dark in that northern part, uh, we are busy about the Father's business and bringing the gospel uh, to them. Uh, in the Middle East, you've got Iran, Iraq, and Turkey. Uh, today, it's it said that the church in Iran 
per capita is the fastest growing church in the world today. Can you imagine that? Uh, part of the foundation of what's going on in Iran that makes uh, the gospel so powerfully moving forwards was, was some of the ministry that was conducted by the Far East Broadcasting Company. They were, uh, along with the Christian World Broadcasting Company, were both blasting the gospel into the Middle East countries. This is way back in the 1980s. So in the 1980s, I was in the Micronesian Islands at that time, before I met my wife, and we were... Uh, bringing the gospel to the, the northern Micronesian islands. So there's about 2,000 islands in the, in the Micronesian belt. Those are the islands in the northern Pacific region. So south of Japan, uh, all the way down to uh, uh, just north of Papua New Guinea, uh, make up the Micronesian belt of islands. So one of those islands is Saipan. Saipan is an island north of, of Guam. And... The Far East Broadcasting came, came in there and they said, we want to put up a, a huge uh, tower where we can broadcast and get all the way into the Middle East from here. So uh, we had an engineer on our team. He helped build that uh, vast tower that they put up and they started broadcasting into the Middle East. They began to get something like about 30,000 uh, responses a month coming out from, from Muslims in those countries. And uh, today, the estimate of, of Christians inside Iran is around about 2 million. So these are all uh, underground, of course. If they get found out, they are in big trouble with the Iranian authorities. Uh, so it's all underground, uh, but a very powerful movement uh, moving inside Iran. Some of our young people from our, our base in uh, Colorado Springs made a trip one time into Iran in the wintertime when they had snow, you know, up, up in the highlands of, of Iran. And they said that some of their young people would get up there and they would be able to, to go skiing. And so we had, of course, some young Americans uh, up there. And those young uh, Iranians uh, felt for once in, in their, their life, you know, when they're up there in those mountains uh, skiing, that they were free from the mullahs. And they told our young people that, in their opinion, all the young people of Iran hate the mullahs. They hate uh, Islam. They say they stole our... Uh, when, when they pushed out the Shah of Iran, you know, and had their... What do you call that? Yeah, they got they got rid of the of the the previous. You know, I'm just talking of trying to think when when their revolutions. The word I'm looking for. When they had their revolution, they they say that the mullahs stole their revolution, see, and enforced Islam on them that they didn't want. And so, but but because they have all the power uh, of guns and military, they can't rise up and get above it. So he's saying, we love America. These young people are saying, we love America. We're glad that you came here. So uh, when, when you think about the world of Islam, understand many times, you know, the, the impression we end up with is what we hear of the terrible stories on, on the, uh, from the media.
but the majority of young Muslims aren't Muslims because of choice. They happen to be born one, and they are ready and willing and, uh, and open to the gospel. Hallelujah. So we have, we have great stories of the gospel moving forwards in Iran and Iraq and Turkey. Uh, all the Middle East countries uh, have a church that's vibrant and growing under persecution. Uh, North Africa, uh, we have in North Africa, uh, of course, if you look at the map, you've got Nigeria is kind of in the middle of, uh, of the continent. And Nigeria is about 50% Christian and about 50% Muslim. So they have a Muslim president in Nigeria uh, who does not assist the Christians when they get their churches burnt down, which is happening all the time, uh, and, and massacres. So he does nothing about it, uh, although they claim to have equality when it comes to religion, but uh, uh, it favors the Muslims all the time. So we had uh, a YWAM team that went in and, and began to, uh, to minister uh, running a discipleship training school in Nigeria. And, and at that time, there was a big push amongst many of the young Nigerians who, who hated the Islamic president and, and the graft and the corruption that was going on in the government. And they began a, a movement um, to oppose the government. So they became a rebel force. And this force became very, uh, very big. And they were very effective, and they had taken over one whole oil field, and they were selling the oil and getting the money so that they could buy all the, uh, the war equipment that they would use to fight against the Nigerian government. So they were rebels, if you please, and they hid out in the jungles and were growing and growing in, in numbers. So... In this discipleship training school that we were running in Nigeria, we, we teach the young people to hear God's voice, and then when it comes time for outreach, we ask them to pray about where they feel God's wanting them to go. So there was this one young guy and, and two or three others with him who said that they wanted to take the gospel to those rebels. And, uh, and so the, the leadership of the, of the school said, well, we don't think that's a very good idea if you go in there, you may not come out of there. And they said, well, we're, we're ready to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel. Um, can we go? And so they, they ended up letting them go. So when they went into the jungle, they, uh, they were aware that somehow or other they were in the presence of some of those rebels, but they, of course, the rebels were all in hiding. And, uh, and so they came to this clearing and uh, this young leader, uh, who was who just a student, he says, I, I'm going to preach because I know they're in the bush, though he can't see them. And so he just stands up and he starts to, to preach and, uh, to, to the trees, you see, because he can't see anybody, but he's sure that they're there and someone can hear him. And while he's preaching, he said, out of the, of the jungle comes this deranged uh, man who is fully demon possessed and uh, he comes raging towards him waving his big cane knife and, and all of a sudden some others uh, that were in hiding rebels 
uh, came out and they yelled to the young man who was preaching, run for your life, they said, because he won't quit until he sheds blood. And so, but this young man didn't uh, listen to them. He just stood his ground. And he said, as the man got right up close to him, he said, stop in the name of Jesus. Like this, he said, and it was like the man hit a glass wall and fell straight to the ground. And, uh, and he says to, to this man, what was that? You see, <laughs> what did he run into? <laughs> There's nothing there. Uh, he said, that was Jesus. And he leads that guy to, to, the, to the Lord, casts out that demon spirit, leads him straight to Jesus. And 200 men who were in the jungle listening to him preach all came out when they saw that happen. And all of them gave their lives to Christ. So that first day in the jungle to the rebels, 200 converts. How about that? So they all had their weapons. And so they said, what do we do with these? We've now given our lives to Jesus. So they, they gave all the weapons to the four YWAMers, you see. <laughs> what are they going to do with all the weapons? So they took all the, the weapons back to the YWAM training center. And they didn't know what to do with all these weapons at the YWAM training center. So they, they called the government. And the government came with a truck to, to pick up all these, these weapons. Well, now they weren't just a team of four preaching the gospel. Now many of the 200 want to join them, you see. And on further and further they go. So the last we had heard was that they had won about 18,000 rebels who were fighting against the unjust causes of the government had now joined the just cause of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? They, they handed over so many uh, weapons to YWAM that they had to send in a convoy of trucks from the military to pick them all up. And, uh, and so the government said, well, you know, since you are the ones responsible for all this, he said, you have to, you have to train them uh, or else we have to put them in prison because they've been fighting against us. So YWAM says, yeah, we'll train them. So we had all these thousands to, to get put through a discipleship training school. So... <laughs> Isn't that a great problem? <laughs> so we had, uh, yeah, wonderful stories of God doing wonderful things. So by the figures that we had in 2015 was something like 2.16 million Muslims have been led to Jesus in the northern heart of, of Africa. So the gospel is making progress and we are going forwards, church. Uh, it's uh, the many wonderful stories that can be told of, of Jesus actually coming to whole villages. Um, I've been in Ethiopia, which is in the northern uh, right side of the map, if you're looking at the, uh, at the map of, of Africa. And in some of those northern regions where the gospel has been difficult to penetrate because the gospel coming up from the south, so you've got to go through a number of African nations to get to the northern ones. And, uh, and so the Holy Spirit has been sovereignly moving uh, w without anybody. And it's a, in one of these villages, this story is told of uh, Iman going out to pray and uh, and. While he's, before he goes out, uh, early in the morning, he has a vision. 
and uh, and Jesus comes and stands at the end of his bed and 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 he wakes up you see and here's Jesus standing there he knows it's Jesus somehow now it's interesting isn't it it's not Muhammad it's Jesus and and he knows it because he said there was a cross behind uh, Jesus and Jesus standing there you can't see the form of Jesus by a face or anything it's just like a white bright light and the cross behind it and he knows it's Jesus and and uh, and Jesus says to him, I am the one whom you seek and none other. And so this Iman falls to the floor, you know, in his room and he calls out to Jesus. So when he's going to the mosque, they start prayers five in the morning and he's responsible for the, for the prayers. He said, here comes another guy who comes running across to, to him on their way to, to the mosque and, and tells him that he had this incredible vision. And he, he tells the imam the same thing that happened to the imam had happened to him. And so that morning when the men came for prayer in the mosque, uh, some 300 of them, mind you, this is 5 o'clock prayer in the morning, all of them had been visited by Jesus that night. All of them had committed their lives to Jesus. So they said, what, what will we do? And they said, well, we'll just continue to come to the mosque, but we'll pray to Jesus. So now you've got a whole village that's been uh, converted by a vision that they all had the same night coming into their homes and telling them that he's the one that they should seek and no other. Isn't that powerful? So we have so many stories like that coming out of the Islamic nations in the northern part of, of Africa where the gospel has been difficult to get to uh, by virtue of the fact that you're going into hostile territory. That the Holy Spirit is not limited to hostile territory. And so uh, bringing uh, teaching material into these places becomes the challenge then, of course, uh, in order to... to uh, to help them to grow in their walk with God. So it's much easier when a whole community comes to Christ because they can stand against persecution, whereas just one person gets saved, you know, uh, he doesn't have support around him, and it's much more difficult to, uh, to withstand persecution. So the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing, and he's bringing the gospel into uh, alignment. There's going to be a great day one day when Jesus comes back again, and we're going to be, see the visitation of the Lord uh, in planet Earth. Are you ready for that, folks? Hallelujah. Are uh, you involved in what the Holy Spirit is doing right now? So I w wanted to, to uh, talk a, a little bit with you. Uh, Western Europe, of course, we, we mentioned already its drastic need to be re-evangelized, and so this is a big issue. They have got many, many Muslims that have piled uh, out of... Uh, of the Middle East into into Europe, and uh, I was just reading yesterday some of the statistics actually of the amount of Muslims coming to Christ in Germany and in England and uh, in in the, some of the um, Scandinavian countries, uh, mounting to millions uh, of Muslims that are getting converted to Christianity. So even here in America. 
you'd be surprised how many Muslims have come to know Christ uh, in, in, in America. So the church is actually working and doing the business of evangelism. And of course they can hear it on the, the radios without any worries and, and on TV without any worries. And so finally, you know, if the countries wouldn't go to the Muslim countries, then you see, is it not possible that the Holy Spirit was involved in all these Muslims for, for, uh, piling into Western countries where the gospel was readily available? So, so Western Europe has... Uh, has a large population of Muslims that have been converted to Christ who are becoming better evangelists than, than, the, than the church. So God uh, is, is able to do amazing things and, and, and goes outside of, the, of our thinking, you see, when it comes to missions in order for this gospel to get to every people. So I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Joshua Project. Any, any of you know about the Joshua Project? Uh, can I encourage you to, to become familiar? No, go, go home, get on your device if you have one, your computer, and look up the Joshua Project. In the Joshua Project, it will give you all the remaining unreached people groups in the world. And, and so my challenge to you as a church in coming with Chris and I coming to you today is that you as a church uh, pray about picking one of those unreached people groups that you begin to intercede for, you begin to pray for. And, and maybe somebody from your church ends up going there and, and doing uh, some legwork and figuring out what uh, it is that you could empower uh, the church here in America to do about bringing the gospel to them. So uh, somebody needs to find out what language are they speaking, how many are they, or what their circumstances are, what would be involved if a team was to come in? What might they be able to do? Is there somebody that would be uh, a key person that they could uh, contact, that you could make contact with? And so uh, those are the things that need to happen, you see, when you're reaching an unreached people group. Somebody's got to go in, in an advance and do the scouting out and finding out what was involved, just like the 12 spies went in to, to spy out the land before Israel entered. So we need to do some spying out, see, and, and that's part of what's involved in reaching an unreached people group. So uh, the 1040 window has uh, so far uh, only 10% of missionaries are in the 1040 window. So that's the bracket of, of nations uh, where you have something like 4.4 billion people living. And that's where all the unreached people groups are. So when you go on the Joshua Project, if you want to know uh, where is the 1040 window, uh, it's uh, 10 degrees latitude and 40 degrees latitude, and it's the countries that are inside that. If you, uh, yeah, it's a stretch across the globe uh, like this. And, and inside there, you've got all of the remaining unreached people groups of the world. They, they amount to a total of something like 4.4 billion people. And 90% of those are unevangelized that need a church. So this is a challenge I want to leave with you this morning. Be involved, church. Don't just have a missionary come and talk to you about what's going on out there. You be a missionary church. Because Jesus only planted one kind of church, and that was a missionary church. And I know that you've had a big involvement outside of your church, so you are already uh, a mission-engaged church, and we're thrilled that you are. 
here's a bigger challenge to continue to go beyond the borders where you've been. And this is the challenge to us as Christians to keep on breaking ground. Keep on keeping on, church. Amen. So go in, find the Joshua Project. And they have done a brilliant job of supplying to the church all the facts and the data of what remains to be done. So you can uh, quickly familiarize yourself and become a Christian that's uh, educated about what remains to be done as far as the Holy Spirit's proclamation to us about going to all the world and preaching the gospel to every people. I'm convinced we can get the job finished. I'm convinced that it's a possibility to do. So when we talk about unreached people groups, we're also talking about um, unengaged people. So an unreached people group may be some, some group where the gospel is, but there's no church that's uh, that's sufficiently able to bring the gospel to the rest of their country. So that's an unreached people group. They may have some Christians there, but there's no self-propagating church capable of bringing the gospel to the rest of them. They need a lot of help. But an unengaged people group is where there are no Christians and, they, and no one is, that we know of have adopted them to, to pray for them and to bring the gospel to them. So you've got unreached and unengaged. You've got a two-tiered arrangement when we're talking about what remains to be done in the world today. So are you ready for the challenge, church? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because I I know you're a praying church, and I know you're a giving church, and I know you are a loving church, and uh, it's just a joy for us to to be here today with you. Uh, Jesus, thank you that you... I have a dream in your heart that's much bigger than the one that's in ours. And you want to enlarge our hearts. And, and uh, we, we are inviting you, Holy Spirit, to pull out the tent pegs of our, of our understanding so that we can uh, catch a glimpse of what yet remains to be done and what our part in that is. And so we all can have a part. And, and may it be, Jesus, that, that we uh, are people who are saying, well, Lord, what is my part? What, what should I be contributing? What should I be doing? I, I don't want just to be uh, somebody who is a listener. I want to be a doer. And I, I want to be able to do something so that uh, when I meet you one day, Lord, I, I will have fulfilled the purpose that you put me here on planet Earth. And so I, I pray you'll bless this church, Lord. Continue to grow uh, their mission vision. Continue to, to grow uh, them in numbers. Continue to grow them in their, their depth uh, of understanding, their walk with you, <coughs> uh, so that they, they love the lover of their soul, Lord, uh, and, and the, the dream in their hearts uh, that they might bring much joy and pleasure to the heart of the Father. And we do that by obedience. And I'm persuaded, Lord, that the sweet fellowship of Jesus comes uh, into the life of those who walk in truth and who walk in obedience. Obedience means fulfilling the purposes that you put us here. Would you enable us, Lord, to grab a hold of uh, all that's in your heart that you want us to have and, and for us to be able to receive that and walk in the light as, as you instruct us to, Lord. 
and to enjoy the richness of your fellowship in that process. I ask you to bless the church now and uh, and give them, Lord, uh, a big heart for the big things that your dream is for this church to fulfill. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Doug. Someone say praise the Lord. You know, um, half our board members are missionaries. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a missionary on our board that is reaching Africa and in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the other one's a businessman. Yes. <laughs> so what can I do to be involved? Number one, pray. Ask the Lord. You know, I was reading Psalms 2.8 just now. It says, ask of me, and I will give you the nations for an inheritance. Aren't we about inheritance? Amen. We've got a world to inherit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're changing. We we can do our part right here from Palmyra, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize this today, but this vest that was from northern India (laughs) that I wore today. (laughs) You know, God has a, a good way of... Reinforcing things. Yeah, and um, I'm going to be teaching about the Holy Spirit and righteousness this month. Uh, and my friend in northern India, he, he has a Bible school for this month. It's going to be all over the world, different, different teachers. I'm just one of them. And uh, I'm going to be doing some Zoom classes on November 14th and 15th. Uh, and uh, he's got... Um, people from all over the world, Israel, Africa, different places that are going to be part of that. Amen? Are you guys excited about Jesus? Amen? Amen. We, got a, we got a couple here that host missionaries in their home. Hallelujah. Our friends, the Kiefers. Glory to God. They, they, they opened their home, and they, missionaries from all around the world have stayed right here in Palmyra. Hallelujah. You know, there are multiple things that we can do. Amen. We have to be an engaged church. Amen. This is no time to, we have a part in producing God's return. He said when the gospel is proclaimed throughout all the world. Amen. And uh, we have a commission club. If you want to sow in the mission, that's for people who want to do a mission trip from this church. Right. You can sow into to a commission club and uh, make that happen. We have a, a home in Guyana that is reaching a generation. Amen. That's a mission. Amen. And uh, we inherited that. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And uh, two of those girls from Guyana are in Tulsa going to Bible school. Amen. They're getting ready to touch more parts of the world. Amen. We serve a good God. We serve a big God. And we have a message, a mission, and a mandate. It is called the gospel of the kingdom of God. And all of us have a part. We can give, and we can go, and we can send, and we, we, can, we all can pray. You don't have to have any special gift. You can sit at your home and begin to pray for a nation, and then God will speak to you as to what your part is for that. Amen? You may go, you may send, it doesn't matter, whatever. You just do what God tells you to do. 
Amen? Praise God. What an awesome perspective today. Did you know that the world is bigger than Palmyra? Amen? But from Palmyra, we can touch the world. From New Zealand, we can touch the world. Right? From Guyana, we can touch the world. From wherever you are, you can touch the world. Get you, get you a map in your home and just touch it and start to pray. Amen? Pray in tongues. You might talk to you. Who knows what language you'll be talking? <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Glory to God. Amen. I want you to stand to your feet for a moment, if you can. And if you can't, you can just remain seated. And I want you to say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I commit my heart to your world. You created this world, and only you can save this world. And I am partnering with you to be a missionary in any way that I can. I will do whatever you tell me to do. I'm here to partner with you. I'm here to proclaim your good news. I'm here to support your work. I'm part of your great commission. In Jesus' name, amen. And by the way, have you ever noticed it's a commission? Did you know that Jesus partnered, when he left this earth, he partnered with his disciples. He said, the Lord went with them. Working signs and wonders. How can he go? He can be anywhere. He's not limited to time or space. Amen. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. He, he's everywhere and anywhere we need him. Amen. Glory to God. I'm so excited. Praise the Lord. I feel like God has given us a fresh perspective. And, you know, missions start right where you are and God will expand it. Amen. Glory to God. Did you know that this church sent uh, me to Africa and we, we, we supported three crusades in three villages? Stephen Hoffman and I, we preached 39 times in nine days. We were doing four or five services. I'm telling you, that's work, man. That's work. But we paid for it. We paid for the pastors to come. I, I'll never forget, I was... At doing a meeting in Lesos, and we were in a round building, and I was preaching on the grace of God, and my, my interpreter fell out. <laughs> Pastors were coming on their knees, weeping before God. It's, it's left an impression in my mind. I'm still in contact with the pastor of that village there. Yes. We've helped him in, in, in some small ways, amen? Yes. And we're in partner with another pastor who has an orphanage in uh, Kenya, in Aldama Ravine, Amen? Yeah, we're helping widows now. Fiona is teaching widows. I mean, tell that testimony about the computer. Come. And then just tell, share that and then we'll, we'll close. Yeah. You, you got to hear this. This is good. Our God is big. Amen. So there is, you guys remember Bishop Keegan? He had come here and visit. So there's a couple in Texas who is from his village right where he is. And I have been in communication with them. I've never met them yet. Every time we tried to meet, it didn't work out. So this, that lady had widows in two different areas of Kenya that she tries to send money to to help them and all this. And she asked if I would teach them. So by Zoom, I've been teaching. I've t taught them two times. 
And one of the things that happened is somebody they don't know, I don't know, but the lady knew, donated money to buy them computers so that they could better have Zoom calls to learn things. We had two sessions, and I'm teaching them, take away the victim identity of being a widow so you're the lesser in the community and start seeing yourself like God sees you, that you are the head and not the tail. They have never owned anything that expensive before. So when the lady was saying about the money she received, she said, oh, if only we could, we need, we need printer. It would be nice. I said, if you have a printer, you could turn it into a business. Well, the computer, not only did they get one computer, they got two. And the computers came with printers. And the other thing that's a big business there is laminating things, right? Well, they had money left over that they could most likely buy laminators. So right there, I didn't give it to them. That was one of the things I wanted them to to know that God is the source. I taught them how to, to ask for what they need and how to prepare themselves to receive it. And it happened within one week of the first lesson of teaching them who they are with lots of interruptions, but they were in the pitch black as it is outside. They were taking notes in the pitch black. And God, they, it got through to them, you see. So we each have a lesson that we are to teach after people get saved. And we all have to do our parts. We can't just, when YWAMers go in and bring people to the gospel, somebody needs to follow up and teach them the rest. So the YWAMers can keep going and bringing people to the gospel, and the other crew takes over and starts training more, you know, in another level. That's how we work with the gospel. But that was a big, they were all there still, like, in shock. And it's, isn't that amazing? So, yeah. <laughs> and I, I forgot to mention, we have a missionary son. <laughs> Which Gabriel, Gabriel gives me statistics from the Joshua Project. He, he looks them up almost like weekly or daily to see what he's praised about and what, yeah. He do, he's been doing that for, since his first mission trip. And he's the one that told me about the Joshua Project uh, website that he gets all his stats from. Yeah. <laughs> so don't be afraid to share the gospel. I'm so glad that my sister Kristen shared the gospel yeah. with me. She brought me to a church. I gave my heart to Jesus, and the rest is history. So if you've got family members and they're not saved, just love them. Share the gospel with them. Share the love of Jesus with them, and God will work. You don't have to convince them. You just have to tell them. Yeah. And she was very gracious to me. You want to go to church with me? No. Okay. <laughs> Next week. You want to go to church? Well, how long is the service? Two hours? Two hours for church? No. Okay. Next week. I, I, she was praying or whoever was praying next week that was it man i was ripe fruit and i'm so glad that she went she followed the mission for god for her and she met cal praise the lord and uh we, this church gets to participate in that amen. amen you know this church we support uh 13 or 14 different works in the body of christ on a monthly basis every month we send a tithe to different missionaries, we spread it around to different missionaries, but we spread, uh, and they're, Kristen and Cal are one of them, amen, amen. and uh, all, all the missions that we support, some are local, some are doing international work, but they're all touching the world in different ways, amen, amen. amen. so say God is good, God is good. amen, and uh, Father, I just thank you for the word today, I thank you for the ministry today, 
of uh, Cal and Christian Lord, and we just thank you for what you're doing in VCF. You're taking us to greater heights and to deeper depths, Lord, and there's an explosion taking place right here in the name of Jesus, and I thank you, Father, that we're going to hit a gusher. Yeah. In Jesus' name, a gusher of God, a gusher of spreading the gospel, a gusher of the power of God in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. If you haven't given, give. Make a designation. Hallelujah. Have a great and wonderful week.